0: keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only
1: exclusions apply as a professional welder Shayna ford uses forge fx to practice over and over which helps her improve her skills the more muscle memory that you have the smoother your weld is learn more at meta.com metaverse impact
0: looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily Credit card.
1: The volume.
0: NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter you'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code JOHN. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code John. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call eight seven seven eight hope ny or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsible on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. Licensed partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21+. plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in ONT bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftKings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Well, what is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff Three and Out Podcast. Just watched the Minnesota Vikings upset the Niners. Purdy throwing picks. Cousins slinging it like he's Joe Montana. We will dive into that game as well as some thoughts on the Sunday night game. Eagles shove around Miami a little bit. As well as some thoughts on the Browns quarterback situation, Bill Belichick. And of course, Lincoln Riley. NFL head coach. I don't see it. Of course, if you listen on Collins' feed, make sure you subscribe to 3 and Out, the 3 and Out feed. I appreciate everyone that has. We will also have the Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff, at John Middlecoff, coming up on the show. Just fire in those DMs on Instagram. It's just my name, at John Middlecoff. DMs wide open. Get your questions answered on the show. And other than that, lot of football talk, fun weekend. And wow, Niners... Eagles in full control of that one seed as of right now. So you got to feel good if you're an Eagle fan. Niners need to lick their wounds because that was ugly. Let's talk some ball. Before we dive into some football talk, you know I got to tell you about my friends and the official ticketing app of this podcast. Do you know what looked like fun? That game tonight. Like if you're a Minnesota fan, you want to attend one of these games. I got you covered. Download, grab your smartphone, and download Game Time, the official ticketing app of this podcast the fastest-growing ticketing app in America, and friends of the program. And when you sign up for a pair of tickets, because they got interactive ticketing maps you can pick based on price points, very, very easy to use. Use the promo code JOHN, J-O-H-N, J-O-H-N, and get $20 off. Cannot recommend them enough. I've been using them. You should, too. We'll see if the Phillies go to the World Series. I guess it's Game 7 tonight, uh, tomorrow night. Uh the Rangers are going so if you if you're a Texas Ranger fan, a Cowboy fan, go go check yourself out at an event promo code John GameTime app. Download it right now. Did not see this coming. Not going to lie. Uh I listen, I respect Monday night games. I don't care about records. Games always get tight, but the cream should always rise. And the Minnesota Vikings missing their best player, one of their better players of the last several decades on the sideline, the Niners coming off a loss. (laughs) You just expect the 49ers to find a way to win. Even as the game started weird, you're like, no way the Niners are going to lose. And then, (laughs) I mean, Purdy throws a second interception, 22-17. Let's start with the Niners. Uh, Let's start with the quarterback. This is why, in this job, you know, you you have a take, and you're kind of writing it down, you're getting your angle ready, and my take was going to be, listen, if you're watching Brock Purdy, and you can't see that he's a good player. I can't help you. And then he throws the worst pick of his career, which at the time was the second pick of his career. Coming into tonight, since he's been starting in the toward the end of last year, all through this season, he has one career interception. And that pick, the first pick of the game that he threw in, in the second half, was atrocious. And to me, that ultimately lost them the game. They ended up getting the ball back on Minnesota's missed field goal, But And Troy even hit on this. A lot of Brock's game is anticipation, is timing, is throwing guys open. Well, part of that, when you throw it to the middle of the field and no one's there, it came back to bite him in the ass. Because I thought for the most part, before that throw, he was really good tonight. But in a game that's a tight game, a turnover can lose you the game. And they had already had one early in the game after they got a pick on Kirk Cousins when Christian McCaffrey. So you lose the turnover battle – I mean, coaches have been saying this before I was born. You're going to lose a lot of games. So that Brock Purdy first interception was devastating. The second one, little desperation. Not ideal, but, I mean, you got no timeouts. Just a problem. I mean, Purdy, bottom line, he is not good enough right now to turn the ball over when they're in a tight game. Uh, There was a play where he, he made some great plays with his legs. Sneaky athlete. He's kind of a little playmaker. Uh, But that pick, man, was devastating. It it really was. And to me, that was the game. That was the moment where the Niners were in major trouble, given that their defense under Steve Wilkes, like, let's be real. D'Amico Ryans is, I mean, a stud head coach, but he was an all-world defensive coordinator. This team leaned on their defense the last two years, and it carried them. I got news for you. They don't look the same. They're not bad. I'm not watching some bottom five NFL defense. This ain't the Raiders, but this is not the same defense currently as the group we've seen the last couple of years. I'll give Cousins' his flowers in a minute, but at one point in time, going into the last drive, they were like 70% on third down. They were 7-10, and coming into the game, they were under 40%. So to get shredded like that, and to me, obviously, Cousins was making some plays, but Kevin O'Connell just Colin plays left and right against Steve Wilkes like he had no clue what was coming. Listen, the screen game got the 49ers last week against the Browns. Uh, they got shredded with the screens because they're very aggressive. They're defensive linemen, one gap, get up the field, chase the quarterback, and their two linebackers are two of the hardest-hitting linebackers in the league, but both guys can just run upfield, and you can take advantage. Now, Fred is such a good player, he can do a 360, chase you down, but you can get them on those plays and constantly tonight. And listen, defensive coordinators in this league are all making $2, 3000000 million. Steve Wilkes was a guy who we thought might get the Carolina Panthers head coaching job, and they gave it to Frank instead. Kyle was very excited to get him. So far to me, it's been a disappointment relative to the standard in this franchise. Because the standard with the 49ers right now is a top two or three defense, and they're just not playing like it. And it's not necessarily the yards. I mean, they almost had 400 yards put up on them in the passing game. It's just the key plays, situational football, they're not making plays. And their guys really aren't in position to make plays. And then when they are, they're not coming through. So tonight, they absolutely got shredded. And big picture, it's a problem. If their defense is not going to be elite, uh, obviously Debo comes back, Trent Williams come back, their offense will be fine. But they got to be an elite defense to be a Super Bowl contender. They just do. I mean, that's just a fact. For them to be as good as the Eagles, their defense has to be better than we saw tonight. That's not going to get it done. That's not going to get it done against A.J. Brown, Swift, Goddard, Devontae Smith. Because that's who the Niners are comparing themselves to. Right? We saw them play the Cowboys. Curb stomped them. Right? And so it's going to be, how do you beat the Eagles? And this team right now, even with the Eagles being a little weird, you know, in terms of their quarterback play, I thought tonight was pretty embarrassing. It really was. It's one thing to come out slow, on the road, Monday night, okay. Viking Super Bowl. It's another thing to lose the game and lose the game like they did. 17 points, your defense. I mean, I know the Vikings only scored 22, but if, if you watch the game, it felt more like they scored fucking 40. The Niners could not stop them all night. And to me, in this league, this is not college. It's not about the Jimmys and the Joes. The Niners have the Jimmys and the Joes. They have elite players, highest paid defensive linemen, the two best linebacking duo, a stud corner. It's about a chess match. The reason a lot of coaches can't hang in the league, because it's all about chess. Like urban Meyer got laughed out of the NFL motivation. It's not about that bullshit. It's about playing chess and Steve Wilks right now, back to back weeks overmatched, not good enough. He's got to improve. And he's got Jamar chase and Joe Burrow rolling into town in about six days. So buckle up, buddy, Minnesota. Uh, about halfway through the game, I was thinking they have themselves a major problem. And it's the quarterback. And not a problem where the guy can't play. The problem where Kirk Cousins is good. Obviously tonight in prime time. I know he's thrown more touchdowns in a game, but thirty-five of forty-five in that environment, with that pressure playing this team, he was fucking brilliant. He was incredible. And he's gonna be a free agent. I hit the Google machine mid-game. Uh, something about the date that his contract ends. I, I read this Florio article. They can't franchise him. Fra- a franchise tag. He doesn't have his in his contract that it's that he's unfranchisable. It's the date in which his contract, I don't Florio, I couldn't quite figure it out. TV was going. I'm like, I don't have time to break this all down. I just know the Vikings can't franchise tag him. So they either have to extend him, which clearly they're not into, they're just gonna let him walk. Now, maybe they're thinking and they look around the league like, who are we really gonna bid against? Because right now, Cousins just signed a three-year, $84 million contract, uh, you know, several years ago. He's been used to making about $35 million a year. Would he sign a $260 million fully guaranteed? Is someone giving him more? I just know Minnesota can't upgrade at that position. Now I understand they want to clear their books, all that stuff sounds great in theory. Even in reality, it makes a lot of sense quarterback league and you got a really good one who knows your offense can function in your offense and excel in your offense no one is arguing that he's you know ever going to be a top five quarterback that ship has sailed he's a fringe top 10 guy but he's pretty darn good and he's good enough where i just don't see you keep your fingers crossed in the draft and he's good enough where you're going to end up winning six seven games so it's not even like you're going to draft that high i think they got a quarterback problem and i would just try to extend him. Now, maybe hit the free agent market, you get some teams desperate, like in Atlanta, hell, maybe Green Bay. I mean, there are going to be teams around uh, the NFL that are going to need quarterbacks, so it's not like people wouldn't want his services. He's too good of a player. But if I'm Minnesota, I I have a really hard time just not keeping him as my quarterback. Now, am I paying him $50 million a year? Of course not. But do I try to do some sort of two-year deal, guarantee every penny, and maybe get that average a little lower? But that's what I would be shooting for. But how many guys have 35 or 45 for almost 400 yards against the 49ers? He shredded them. He looked like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady tonight. I don't even think I'm being like, you know, hyperbolic. He was, that was as dominant as I've ever seen him against a really good team. Especially, we, we've talked forever about primetime Kirk, bright lights Kirk, shriveling a little bit. He He, he looked damn good to me. And, and listen, I know this is the upper echelon I mean we saw last year in the playoffs on fourth down him dumping the ball I'm not claiming he's a perfect player I'm I'm not claiming that he's some star but I just don't see how the Vikings even come close to matching his production let alone upgrading him in the draft I I don't even think it's possible so good luck Minnesota props to Kevin O'Connell who absolutely worked the 49ers coaching staff tonight well-earned victory Sunday night Uh, Let's start with Philly. On the bright note, or on a bright note, they, I thought, shoved around Miami. The the, the eye test, they're on a completely different level. And they should be. I mean, that that roster right now, pretty, I mean, they're damn healthy, feels like the best roster in the NFL. Like, they they now are the clear one seed with the Niners losing a second game, now playing the Bengals this week. Eagles got to feel pretty good about themselves. Because they get home field advantage again, I mean, a lot of people in Philly are going to be thinking, World Series champs, back to the Super Bowl, let's rock and roll. The one negative, which I don't think is really debatable right now, I like Jalen. I root for Jalen. Jalen stands for everything I like in a player. Coachable, tough, not afraid of criticism, is quick to take accountability when he screws up, but just in a vacuum the way he's playing relative to last year. The reason they gave him all this money is because they saw last year and you just assume he's going to keep playing like that. Obviously, you remove the offensive coordinator, you never know, but you still hope that the high-level play is going to continue and right now, he's still a great playmaker. He's awesome outside the tackle box, his go-route, the ball that he hit to A.J. Brown, he throws a beautiful ball down the field. But right now, as a pocket passer, I don't even think you could argue that he doesn't really look right. He doesn't look comfortable, whether that's Brian Johnson. Listen, the head coach is an offensive guy. I know he's not calling the place. they got to figure that out because if they could just get him comfortable, they're clearly right now top to bottom the best team in the NFL, but he's a little off. And uh, if that's your biggest issue, knowing a guy that will do grind his ass off, do everything humanly possible to fix it, I feel pretty good because defensively they got players everywhere. Uh, the volumes, Darius Slay always making plays. The rookies making plays. The Reddick's coming on. Obviously, AJ Brown looks like George Kittle and Debo Samuel had a baby. Just a freak show. DeAndre Swift, classic Howie Roseman. Another classic Howie Roseman today. They're six and one. They look, you know, headed back toward an NFC championship game. What does he do? Trades for one of the better safeties in the league. Guys getting a little older in age from the Tennessee Titans, but you go, oh, would they give up for, uh, for the Titan star safety. Oh, fifth the six. And just a random player that isn't very good that they didn't like. And, uh, howie Roseman, I, listen, when I worked for him, nothing has changed in terms of his mindset. Aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. Are they done? Doubt it. If there is something else available that they view, uh, a move that can upgrade their team, he'll do it. Cause that's what he always does. The, I, I, listen, when they win, when they have success, the, the intensity in that building just increases. It's not like they're just chilling and having a good time. So I'd expect the Eagles to keep pushing all their chips in the middle of the table. Tonight was a good night for them with the 49ers losing. And the rich get richer. And I, I would doubt, I'm not saying the Eagles will make another trade, but he's definitely going to be on the phone for the next week. I will promise you that. And on Miami, listen, they're better than last year. They've improved their defensive coaching staff by just adding Vic Fangio, but they're not nearly good enough to be a factor in the AFC. They're not physical enough. They're not good enough outdoors. And if Tyreek doesn't just go Jerry Rice meets Terrell Owens meets Randy Moss, they're just not going to win. And last night when he dropped that pass, like their margin for error, his greatness, he's got to be elite. And most of the time he is, and against a lot of random teams, the Carolina Panthers, the Denver Broncos, He's going to bend him over. But now they've played the Bills, and they've played the Eagles, and I thought they got thoroughly outplayed. I will say this. I'm going to give some some uh, flowers to my guy Tua Tagovailoa. There was a large stretch in that game where you just watched the two quarterbacks and you went, Tua's throwing it better right now than Jalen. Now, he ended up throwing the pick late in the game. <clears throat> Obviously, Jalen did, too, a little freakish. But I-, I-, I will say Miami, the Tua things a positive on the whole – But their team, definitely defensively, they they don't have the players. I mean, they got the coach, they just don't have the players. Just can't beat anyone who's any good. (laughs) They dominate the average teams. Big week for them this week, playing Belichick. See if they can get right. Uh, Belichick now has a little confidence coming in after beating the Bills, but Miami, let's pump the brakes on anointing them. I want to dive into one thing really quick. Because people have talked for a long time, and I've probably agreed that Lincoln Riley that Lincoln Riley is going to go to the NFL. Lincoln Riley, everyone's knocking down the doors to get Lincoln Riley. And I I probably just went along with the crowd. I'm like, yeah, no brainer. Who wouldn't want Lincoln Riley to be their NFL coach? I've spent a lot of time thinking about it the last 24, 48 hours because of what has transpired with USC the last two weeks. I think there are some parallels with him and Chip Kelly, right? Chip jumped, like Lincoln, had never coached in the NFL had been a lifetime college guy. Zero. Let me repeat, zero NFL experience. Both guys, known as great offensive innovators, get the most out of their quarterback. Their offenses have just been, his. you know, back with Chip at Oregon and obviously Lincoln at Oklahoma and even last year at SC, it was like, these guys dominate on offense. The question was defense. The difference, though, is Chip put a premium on recruiting defensive linemen at Oregon. He had DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, and other defensive players who played in the NFL. And to me, when I watched Lincoln, at the end of his time in Oklahoma, and definitely at USC, I go, unlike Chip. Now, Chip, like Lincoln, has nothing to do with the defense. Chip just had standards of the type defensive linemen he wanted. Massive guys, right? He wanted, he actually, I remember him getting to the NFL, He's like, we only want our defensive linemen to be 6'6 plus. Like Chip, there's only two of them in the in the draft. Most of these guys are 6'3", 6'4". They don't even exist. It's easier in college when there's only four of them in the country and you can sign three of them. It's not possible in the draft. So it was more difficult for him to run a scheme in, in the pros. But Blinken, I don't think, knows defense, cares about defense. And the other thing is when Chip got to the NFL, one downfall he had, didn't know NFL coaches. So his defensive staff in Philadelphia, and then definitely with the 49ers, was atrocious. He didn't know, like he didn't know the Vic Fangios of the world, the D'Amico Ryans. He didn't know these guys. All the guys that came from the Pete Carroll tree. And it was a major, major downfall. Obviously, his offensive scheme as well was a downfall, refused to adapt, just kept hitting his head into the wall. But defensive coaching in the NFL, like Urban Meyer, Urban got to the NFL. In college, he hung his hat on recruiting the best players and then motivating them to just beat the shit out of everybody. And it worked a lot of the time. You could say what you want about the Florida documentary. Would have liked a little more, you know, criminal activity that actually happened part of it. But just from a football standpoint, you saw a lot of the motivational stuff that he had in the back, and it was impressive. The NFL's not about that. The NFL's a chess match. It's why Chip Kelly and Lincoln are highly thought of, because offensively they can play a little chess. you got to play defense in the pros. And like I said with Chip, who the hell would, de- he can't hire a defensive coordinator in college. Say this for Chip, he had Ali Ode that he inherited for Oregon, and currently UCLA's defense is excellent. His defensive coordinator is Anthony Lynn's son. So he's emphasized that. Lincoln's defensive coordinator, people have been screaming at him to fire the guy for 12 months. So this notion that Lincoln is some lock NFL coach, one, to just teams are going to want him, and two, that he would have success, to me feels a little far-fetched. Again, zero, zero NFL experience. Zero coaches that he would know on defense that you would feel comfortable like, oh, he just hired that guy to be his defensive coordinator. When Jim Harbaugh left Stanford and came to the 49ers in 2011, he brought Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio. You know, the downfall of Chip, Billy Davis in Philly. Who the hell knows who Lincoln would bring? So, I think we need to pump the brakes on the whole Lincoln-Riley experience. The other thing is, you can't be banning reporters, not having your players speak in the big leagues. That ain't how it rolls. Hell, people are rolling their eyes at you at USC, so... Lincoln Riley is getting dragged through the mud right now, rightfully so. But this notion that he's some can't-miss NFL coaching prospect, to me, feels crazy. Okay, let's go with my friends at Morgan & Morgan. If you're ever injured, you can check out Morgan & Morgan. For a player, I like to add a coach that made it look easy. And I, I, I try to go a little different. You know, it's easy to pick last night A.J. Brown or tonight Kirk Cousins I like to go with someone who's not getting their proper shine With uh, sometimes on an NFL podcast. And two nights ago, on Saturday night, Kyle Whittingham beat Lincoln Riley, as we just talked about. This guy's going to go to the NFL. Kyle Whittingham has now beat him three times in a row. So the Utah football program, two years ago, when Oregon was this awesome program and it beat Ohio State, he swept Oregon beat him in the regular season, beat him again in the conference championship. Mario ran to Miami. He went to the Rose Bowl. Last year, took out USC in the regular season, beat him again in the Pac-12 championship. Utah went to the Rose Bowl. This year, everyone's like, ah, oh, Caleb, Lincoln, lot to prove at home, Coliseum. What does Kyle Whittingham do? He takes a pig farmer, his third-string quarterback. He takes a linebacker-slash-safety, moves him to running back, And he goes into the Coliseum, hollowed ground. Heritage Hall, I've been there before. You walk in, you got Heisman trophies all over the place. And he beat him Three straight times, he has beat the USC Trojans. Kyle Whittingham, Utah, will be the heavy favorites next year, rolling into the Big 12, especially with Texas and Oklahoma leaving the conference. So props to Kyle Whittingham, who just owns – the big program, so making it look easy. Kyle Whittingham, Morgan and Morgan. If you're ever injured, check out Morgan and Morgan. Their fee is free unless they win. For more information, go to slash john or dial pound law five two nine from your cell. That's slash john or pound law pound five two nine from your cell. This is a paid advertisement. <coughs> At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals which make it the best place to hire. I know I'm on it all the time, looking for people, checking out what everyone's doing. Hiring should be easy, and that is where LinkedIn comes in. So the fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-QX80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
1: Winter's coming here in LA. That means more rain. For others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice. Whatever winter means to you, Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. All-season tires, all-weather tires. They bring new tires to your home or work, install them on site. Game changer. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, see their Michelin test results and special offers. They've been at this for over 40 years. Trust me, they're experts. TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
0: Okay, let's dive into the Cleveland Browns. And like many, I watched the beginning of that game, and I saw Deshaun Watson look like one of the worst players in the NFL. And if you are objective about Deshaun Watson's short tenure with the Browns when he's been on the field, it has been an utter disaster. He he has been an awful football player. Now, if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt last year because he hadn't been playing in two years, okay. This year, no one can argue. He doesn't look remotely close to the quote-unquote star player that we saw years ago with the Houston Texans. And it was drafted high out of Clemson that was beating Alabama in the national championship. Well, after watching the Browns handle the 49ers defensively, you can't even argue that their talent and their high end on defense is elite. Clearly didn't bring the same energy against Gardner Minshew. Miles Garrett did. But overall, their talent on their team, offense as well, skill guys, backup running backs, offensive line, tight end, is really, really good. But after yesterday... And I've red flagged this entire year with Deshaun Watson. The shoulder injury, him and the team not exactly being on the same page, the messaging being weird. Even yesterday, he got slammed to the ground. He got slammed hard. Looked like, you know, head got rattled. Cleared the concussion protocol. Stefanski claimed it was his choice not to put him back in. I don't know what to believe. Like I said, giant red flag on the situation. Don't know, but it's weird. That's off the field. On the field, awful. Off the field, weird. Kind of the Deshaun Watson experience. The problem is they owe him $229 million. So I Googled the contract today. And one thing I noticed is this season, in 2023, his salary cap hit, meaning what he accounts for in the pie of their salary cap for this season, is $19 million. Which, you know, for a highly paid quarterback, is not that crazy. It, it's not that, uh, you, you know, that's a positive. Any team that has an older veteran guy they're paying a lot of money, a $19 million salary cap hit is not nuts. Here's the problem. In 2024, in 2025, and 2026, that cap hit jumps to $63 million. Almost $64 million. 63977 So the difference this year is And next year, and moving forward, is going to be over $43 million. So this year, they're able to build this really good team because they're not paying the quarterback this much. Well, moving forward, they're going to lose a ton of salary cap space because of this player, which in the grand scheme of things, if your quarterback is elite, if he's going to play like Mahomes did yesterday or Lamar Jackson did yesterday, who cares? It doesn't really matter. That's what the price it costs. That's the price of admission for these top quarterbacks, and you need them to be elite and make up that gap of having to let some veterans go, having to trade a Tyreek Hill, having to do some of that stuff and develop younger players. Here's the problem, and you see it on a little bit higher level. I think Russell Wilson currently is a better player than Deshaun Watson. When you're paying a quarterback that much and you've given up that much draft capital and they are not playing even remotely close to the standard of the guy in which you invested in and thought you were getting, you're fucked. It's over. So if I'm a Browns fan, you better figure out a way to be competitive this year, which you are, but I mean in the playoffs. You better figure out a way to win a playoff game, maybe win two and compete because it's over after this year. If this is the quarterback you have, and let's face it, he has not been a good player in a long, long time. The days of Deshaun Watson being a star are like four years ago. And one thing we've learned in pro sports coaches or players sometimes we hold on to the past i'm not a big hold on to the past guy my mom loves telling me stories about this and that from i i don't care i'm not a big hold on to like high school stories college stories i'm not saying i won't talk about them if i'm having a beer with people i went to those you know college with but i don't spend a lot of time on a daily basis thinking about it i think forward and i think most and i'm just saying that like i try to copy other successful people because it's like Look forward. Do not live in the rearview mirror. And a lot of times we do that. Well, Sean Payton was really good. Well, is he good now? I say the same thing with Belichick. It's like, well, Belichick's one of the greatest coaches ever. That's true, but he hasn't been that good in like five years. So it's like, well, are we holding on to 2014? It's 2023. I I never understand, you know, the people that are like my age that go, God, I wish I could go back to college. You do? I fucking love my life. And I, I can't wait for the next 10 years, the next 20 years I enjoyed those times, but I would you couldn't pay me to have no money and be 20 years old. Fuck that. I would much rather be doing what I'm doing now. Just like, I'm looking forward to the next five years. If you're not, like, you're probably not in the great headspace. And I think right now with Deshaun Watson, we're holding on to the past. I'm not. And I bet most people that don't think he's any good are. But the Browns kind of are. Because Stefanski mentioned this like, he's still our franchise quarterback. No, oh, man. Like, you guys are screwed. You have major, major problems. And clearly you couldn't go far with P.J. Walker, but I don't think you can go far with Deshaun Watson either this year. But this is going to be your best chance, because at least the team around him is good. Because next year, the team's going to be a shell of himself. Another thing that I noticed yesterday, and you just notice as the season goes on, when bridge starting quarterbacks or backup quarterbacks have to start games, they can have a moment, right? You can have a game where you throw a couple touchdowns and you win the game. But over the course of game in, game out, and over the course of a a month, maybe a month and a half, the defensive coordinators and the league gets the tape on you, gets to find out your strengths and your weaknesses, what you're doing well and what you're not doing well, you eventually will get exposed. And it's like anyone could have sold real estate in 2021. You sell real estate right now, mid-October, 2023? You, you flipping homes? You having any success? Because if you are, you're good at your job. Most people are probably getting exposed. And I you see it all the time with backup quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield. First couple games, like, oh, Baker Mayfield is back. Hell, I even gave him credit. He was awful yesterday. Objectively, the last two weeks, he's been terrible. And here's the thing with Baker. He's a backup quarterback. And when backup quarterbacks... Have to play a full season, they're gonna look worse as the thing goes on. Same thing with Jordan Love. You know, it's getting more clear and clear by the game. He's a backup, and there's nothing wrong with that. Jordan Love can have a 10-year NFL career, but he's a backup quarterback. That if he has to play a game, he's got a chance. But if he's got to start on a weekly basis, prepare, game plan. Good luck. You see it with Sam Howell. You see it with all these quarterbacks. Hell, you see it with Tyrod Taylor, who's one who won yesterday against Washington. And two weeks ago, could have won against the Buffalo Bills. If Tyrod Taylor has to start half the season, you have no chance. Right now, you might probably don't have a chance with Daniel Jones either, who probably is like a, you know, back end starting quarterback. It turns out to be, and I think anytime you get down the road and you think you have something, you find out pretty quickly that like yeah, we're playing a backup quarterback, and it shows itself really, really quickly. And some quarterbacks play themselves in to being backup quarterbacks. I'll be honest. What I see out of Derek Carr right now, he's playing himself into becoming a backup quarterback. Now, he's better than all the guys I just listed, but that's the road he's headed down, right? And I think it can change on you fast. Here's the other thing. In the NFL, because so many quarterbacks on a yearly basis come into the league, cycles fast, man. It used to be all these guys, because they were good players, so many guys were basically... this is going to sound unfair, like on scholarship, like Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, they weren't going anywhere. Now, it's like, I got to spend so much on you. If you're not the guy, we just got to move on. And luckily, for the most part, every year in the draft, you're getting a lot of options. Doesn't mean these guys are going to be good. Like, this notion that Caleb Williams and Drake May are just going to save your franchise, I like both players. Both have a lot of talent. Watched them both pretty closely this week. No guarantee. You go to the wrong situation with no talent around you, the wrong coach, it could be a disaster. So we're seeing it all around the NFL, and uh, I think a lot of guys are showing themselves to be who they really are. Ritter, too, with Atlanta. I know they won the game. It's a backup quarterback, right? It's a backup quarterback. Bill Belichick, big win, really big win. That, that was impressive. And as, as a coach texted me, he was at his house on, on a bye watching the game. Belichick wasn't going to go out quietly. And this is the problem with the uh, Bill tanking. Is like he's just too good of a coach. And he's not going to quit. That he's more likely, even if the team is just beyond shitty, which I don't think they're very good, he's more likely to draft eight than he is. Like he's never drafting one or two. But one thing that's a little inflated with Bill is against his division, look at him this season. He's played Miami really close. Could have won that game. He beat the Bills and he beat the Jets. They got two wins on the season. They both come from the division. Well, why is that? Can you imagine the scattering report that Bill Belichick has on Josh Allen and Sean McDermott and Stephon Dick? Can you imagine the knowledge that he has on his divisional opponents? Not only does he play them twice a year, but the other two opponents also play those guys twice a year. So the amount of cross-tape he watches on, Just let's use Josh Allen specifically, is probably pretty outrageous. The amount of times he's at his office with the clicker and Josh Allen is on the screen, whether he's playing him or playing an opponent that he's playing. Same goes for the Jets and obviously the Dolphins as well. So he gets to have inside knowledge. If you ask me right now, John, if Colin called me up and like, I need you to do a five-hour podcast on the 49ers. Every angle of the franchise, every position group, the coaching staff, the front office—I can handle it. I mean, I'd have to—I'd have to do a little research, but it, it would be—it would be possible, right? If you said, John, I need you to do the same thing, but for the Tampa Bay Bucks or the Atlanta Falcons, I, I, I'd be screwed. I, it would take me a lot longer to even have a chance to do that. Well, look at Belichick when he's played his divisional opponents—look pretty good. They actually, yesterday, looked like a real team. When he plays random teams, the Saints, who aren't any good, he gets fucking curb stomped. He gets destroyed. So I'm not acting like what happened yesterday is all that shocking because I think one thing we learned, when Belichick plays divisional opponents, he's not just going to have a chance. He he might win the game. When he plays anyone else, they could easily lose. And when the dust settles, I think they're a 4-5 win team, and the next couple wins will probably also come in the division. The other story, though, with him was it leaked that he got a contract extension. And a lot of people theorize that Bill leaked it, right? If Kraft was going to leak support of Bill, he would just come out and say, no matter what happens, Bill Belichick is my head coach moving forward. He will be the coach this season and beyond. He hasn't done that. So this notion that Bill Belichick signed a contract extension, which... Even if it was short, let's just say let's say it was this. Two years, fifty million dollars. Kind of like Bill, we appreciate everything you've done. All this money and wealth you've made the Kraft family. Here's we'll pay you on top of whatever you had a year left on your contract, we'll give you we'll add two years and fifty million, twenty-five million dollars a year. What does that mean for his job security? That for an NFL team for Robert Kraft? That, that's a fucking line item. That'd be like Middlecoff, you gotta pay this worker that's in the kitchen right now a grand. I mean, it means nothing. These numbers to normal people, including myself, look big on paper. They got to pay him $50 million to go away. Do you know how fast Robert Kraft could sign that check? Now, maybe Bill knows, would they try to trade him? Would they try to get rid of him? Because Bill clearly does not want to quit. But this notion that I don't care what the number is, let's say they owe him $80 million, would be the reason that Robert didn't want to move on. You're crazy. This money now to these guys, especially the successful team, can you imagine how much money the Patriots banked over the years when Bill and Brady were winning Super Bowls? It's like I saw it with the Warriors. When they started winning championships, the amount of money that Joe Lacob was making was stupid. On top of, separate from just your sweet sales, how much you're charging, I'm just talking the money around town. It's just outrageous. So whatever they have to pay them, and I would say the most would be like $75 million, and the least would probably be, I don't know, $40 million, $50 million. It's not that big a deal. For a limited time, you can save 40% on NFL Plus Premium Annual Subscription when you sign up through Plus Play from Verizon. Plus Play is a platform where you can shop, manage, and save on the subscriptions you already love. Like NFL Plus. With NFL Plus Premium, you get access to live games on mobile, NFL Red Zone, NFL Network, and more. So you can watch multiple games all at once on any screen around you for updates. Never miss a touchdown. And for fantasy football players, NFL Plus Premium makes all the difference. Access to programming, like Fantasy Live through NFL Network, Red Zone for tracking player performance on Sunday. Access to live local primetime games. Access to Fantasy Plus. Just go to verizon.com slash NFL to get NFL Plus Premium today. It's 40% off an annual subscription. That's just $59.99 for the full season. Get it before it's gone. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team, faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals which make it the best place to hire. I know I'm on it all the time, looking for people, checking out what everyone's doing. Hiring should be easy, and that is where LinkedIn comes in. So the fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury
1: Winter's coming. Here in L.A., that means more rain. For others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice. Whatever winter means to you, Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. All-season tires. All-weather tires. Dedicated winter tires. Go to TireRack.com. Use the Tire Decision Guide to get personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Michelin tires, Ship fast and free to you,
0: Okay, let's dive into a little thing we call the Middlecoff mailbag. Way to get in is firing those DMs at John Middlecoff. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. DMs wide freaking open. Is officiating getting worse? It seems to me to be a theme all year. Coming off this weekend and seeing my Colts get two questionable calls against them on the last drive of the game makes me wonder, I then see the Steelers convert a fourth down when Pickett didn't get close and the Eagles get the benefit from no calls all over the place. I can't sit here and say it's an easy job, but games should be decided by the players and coaches, not the referees. I think there are several angles on this. I've said forever that referees remind me a lot of government officials. Uh, No matter how poor you are at your job, it's just like you're just on scholarship, and it never changes. And the poor officiating has consistently been bad now for a long, long time. So I'm I'm in agreement with you there. I think the problem is, though, is it starts with the league. You know, the officiating's been poor for a while, and the league doesn't really do anything. And they constantly say, oh, the officiating's good. And like you said, these are human beings. It's not easy. Some of these are bang-bang calls. There are going to be mistakes made. For example, in the Rams game, they screwed up the the spot of the ball. That was unquestionable, even if you're a Steelers fan. Pickett clearly slipped and was short. Now, like the rules, McVeigh to not have any timeouts at the end of the game is a freaking embarrassment. Now, a lot of that second half, I had that game on mute and had the Chiefs game on, so I don't know exactly all the instances of how he blew his timeouts, but like, I put that a little bit on McVeigh Because if he just had a timeout, he could have challenged the call, which he wasn't able to do. And the one play, and I've been saying this forever. One, to me, defensive holding, just in general, on third and whatever, that is just an automatic first down has pissed me off. But that's a competition committee. they got to figure that out. The When I was a kid, and anyone my age who grew up on football in the 90s, If you overthrow a wide receiver, I don't care if he gets tackled and he had no chance to catch the ball, it is not a penalty. And the play at the end of the Colts game, it hit the stands. Kevin Garnett in his prime couldn't have tipped the ball, let alone caught it. So to not call that uncatchable when it was one of the most uncatchable balls we've ever seen uh, in a scenario like that. But is it getting worse? No. I mean, I think it's been shitty for a long, long time. Uh, I think the same thing in the in basketball. Uh, same thing in baseball. Officiating is just not good. And like you said, human element of it, no one's perfect. But the amount of missed calls when we're gambling, uh, when we're rooting, it's just unacceptable. When When the players and coaches have their jobs on the line, that's the thing. Their jobs are on the line. Yet none of these officials, anything ever happens. Greetings from Canada. This is from Antonio. No one is better, and I love that you cut to the shit. I had some buddies over for Sunday night's game, and I happened to be the only Philly fan in an ocean full of Dolphins fans. They all could not stop talking about Philly's talent, which I totally get. Their players are fucking money. My question is this. Are we not giving Sirianni enough credit? I've watched all of their games pretty closely, and while I do respect and credit the talent, It seems that if Sirianni really had to, he could make his team believe in unicorns and Peter Pan. The guy's ability to motivate and switch up game plans is elite. I know he doesn't call the plays, but he influences the plan, and most often, when it comes to out-coaching, excluding the Super Bowl, he does it a lot. Can we give the guy a bit of cred? Anytime you're constantly winning, you get credit as a head coach. Nick Sirianni deserves credit. I look at it a little differently. I go, Jalen, we talked about it earlier, is not quite the same guy. And only one thing changed on offense. All the players are the exact same. They lost a coordinator. And Sirianni, is he just a motivator? Like, is, is that what he is? Which it works. Like, the team plays well because they, like you said, have a lot of talent, which is put together by Howie. Added another good player on Monday. But offensively, they're going to go as far as Jalen goes, especially from the pocket, where he clearly does not look as comfortable. Isn't Sirianna, can't he influence that at all? So, yeah, I mean, I think he gets a proper amount of credit for leading you know, one of, if not the most talented roster in the league to a lot of wins, but out-coaches people on a weekly basis. I I don't know if I'd go that far. What I think he is is kind of the offensive version of, of like John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin. That's what Sirianni currently is. And there's nothing wrong with that. Both those guys are Super Bowl champions, and I would say that clearly the Eagles have a chance to be Super Bowl champions this year. Huge fan of the show. Love the weekend Insta takes over Glass of Titos. As far as Lincoln Riley, when he left Oklahoma, many viewed it, like Colin, as an opportunity to dominate recruiting on the West Coast and leave the soon-to-be-tougher SEC conference which would help make for an easier path to the college football playoff. Fast forward two years. The program is spiraling. SC is not even in the same class as Oregon and Washington. And, oh, by the way, they are about to join Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. What is the likelihood that he decides to run and seek an NFL job? And more importantly, do you think his stock has fallen given his lack of success? Well, I gave my take on his, his NFL Options, status, and why I would not touch him as an owner. Now, when it comes to his recent lack of success, I will say over and over, he doesn't know what good defensive players look like. And to me, good defensive players help set a physicality for the program. If you gave this offense to Penn State, they would never lose. Say what you want about James Franklin, who clearly in-game, not great with the quarterback, but he knows how to recruit defensive players. And you can say, well, Lincoln can do things that he can't do. Well, yeah, if you are this flawed of a coach, and to me his flaw right now of not understanding what high-end defensive talent looks like and what a good defensive coordinator is, I understand when you're at a program that doesn't have unlimited funds. Jonathan Smith at Oregon State, what he's doing right now to be in the top 15, I mean, he he still plays Oregon coming up, Washington coming up. He could win one of those games. To do it at that program against all these teams with way more money is really, really impressive, right? But when you're USC, if you have a shitty coordinator on whatever side of the ball that you're not the coordinator of, that's on you. And listen, we all make bad hires. Coaches, I, I don't care what industry you're in. You're not going to always hire the right person. But when you do, to keep acknowledging, or excuse me, lack of acknowledgement that you're wrong and that he's really good and defense isn't the problem, and he said this over and over and over, to me, Lincoln has this like kind of small-town feel to the way he's coaching a big-time program, right? You can't, the stuff, and I mentioned this with Colin, banning the reporter, not having Caleb speak, closing the school down to scouts, like, bro, this is SC, what the, they wouldn't do this at Oklahoma, let alone at... What, what are we doing? What are we doing? I've always liked Lincoln, but this year has been, uh, has been very, very questionable. It, it really has. Steelers fan, I feel like I'm watching a car crash in slow motion with this team. What's worse is how tone-deaf the organization is to how football is being played now. We are watching New England try and win, playing just like the Steelers, and it blows up in their face. I'm afraid the Steelers are just New England, but a year or two behind. The only difference to me is there are a few stars on each side of the ball. Canada sucks, but Tomlin hired him, kept him, and constantly hires assistants and keep, keep up the great work. This was sent to me before the game against the Rams. Now, the Rams, probably a 7-8 win team when the dust settles, but still, on the road, that was an impressive win. Pickett looked I think that was the best game he's played this season. I'm not saying statistically, I'm just saying the eye test, he, he was good. Like you said, one thing you have going for you where you can't compare yourself to New England, you have elite players. T.J. Watt is an elite player. Highsmith, high-end player. Minka, elite player. Pickens, the way he was playing yesterday, elite player. So when you have elite impact players, I think Joey Porter Jr. has a chance to be really freaking good. If your quarterback play is just okay, which it was yesterday, I think you're going to be okay. Now, I'm not all of a sudden pivoting back to, I think this team is in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. But all of a sudden, they got a little momentum. You're 4-2. Kind of feel more like an 11-win team than we thought a couple weeks ago, maybe an 8-win team. It's the best part about the NFL. Things change so quickly. We get an idea of what we think a team looks like. You clearly were having some issues. Everyone turned on Canada, rightfully so. Listen, my bald brother was lighting it up. He was he was dialing up some good plays. He really was. My question for the pod is Jordan Love. He clearly played a bad game this weekend against one of the worst Ds in the NFL. Is his problem not having a single vet receiver? Seems like the Packers should bring back Devonte to help guide him. He's clearly not a top quarterback, but it's just the lack of direct help on the field. I don't know, man. Well, Devontae's not coming back. So I I think you have to come to grips. It's probably not going to work. It's just probably not going to work. And my take before I had ever really seen him play, coming into the season, I mean, I, I watched the Chiefs game, which I I don't even count a couple years ago, was was simple. The likelihood to go to just a serviceable player from Favre to Rodgers to just what the 49ers did Montana to Young to Jeff Garcia we've never seen before usually go from one great quarterback to a shitty quarterback hell, what the Chargers did to go from Phillip Rivers to Justin Herbert it usually doesn't happen this is normal NFL and you look like you have a guy who's a backup who's getting worse by the week whose coach does not trust him and you know what? Be glad that you didn't sign them. I said this to Colin. I give the Packers credit that they signed them to such a cheap deal, that they did not sign up for anything crazy, that if it went well, they had an incredibly cheap starting quarterback. If it did not go well, look at the Giants. They didn't find them up Shit's Creek without a paddle. And they have wiggle room. They have the ability to change. They have the ability to draft a quarterback. I think you could easily remake him the backup quarterback if you if you were able to upgrade that position. So you're not in that big of trouble. Am I not alone by getting more and more sour with the NFL due to believing there is a strong likelihood the league influences outcome through rigging? I read the book by Tim Donagy and disgraced NBA ref, I read it too, and it opened my eyes to how the league can pass directives down to referees that clearly impact games. I think the NBA is still the worst to watch because of how drastically different it is called game-to-game, player-to-player. Baseball, I think, is the hardest to rig, hopefully even harder after robo It's totally conspiracy to think the games are scripted. But is it wrong for a diehard fan to be losing faith when something isn't going on behind the scenes? I don't think they can rig the games. I mean, I know they can't rig the games. I've, I've lived it. I, I've seen it. But like you said, they can clearly create directives and I think incentives is probably the wrong way to put it, but mandates, we are going to call X, Y, and Z, and we're going to hammer it. Now, in fairness, during training camp, you bring in officials and they hammer home X, Y, and Z, defensive pass interference, hitting the quarterback below the waist. I'm just picking a couple. And let's just pick defensive holding. We are going to emphasize that, or helmet to helmet. It is going to be... We're going to lean on the side of caution with these calls. So, coaching staff, players, you guys know it. Coach it up, play it up, and avoid these things. Now, I I, I just think that the human element of this sport, there's never been faster players in the league. So, on a bang-bang play, it's never happened more quickly Belichick argued forever that every play or every penalty should be reviewable. It's like, wh- wh- how do we arbitrarily pick which plays are reviewed and which plays are not? And I do think there is some validity to that, though, I mean, you could argue, remember when they tried to make pass interference reviewable and then it didn't really work? I think holding would be similar. I've I've said it earlier, I hate defensive holding. I, I think that that is such an over- called penalty but listen you and i can complain and trust me we're all complaining about the consistency of the referees about how rigged it can feel on a big game on a game we're betting against on a, on a game we're rooting for but as long as tv ratings are through the roof and gambling's high in fantasy football i promise you it's not going to change Do you think the NFL will ever get their head out of their asses and start reviewing every roughing the passer? God, we're getting a lot of officiating. Uh, Passer call or even better, unsportsmanlike hits in general. Every Sunday has a handful of complete bullshit calls. Tom Brady went on his podcast last week talking about how ridiculous they have gotten even though he benefited from the calls. Clown. Appreciate the pod. (laughs) Tom Brady hater. I I would say that... They aren't going to lean to those, clearly. I mean, I, I think they like reviewable plays for objective things. Two feet in, right? Spotting of the ball, out of bounds. What are some other plays that are constantly reviewed? A fumble, things that are relatively close to being black and white. They don't want to get in the, the world of holding... Uh, defensive holding, pass interference. I, I, I think, and in fairness to them, in the NBA, the challenging of calls sometimes can really fuck up the ebb and flow to the game. I think the NFL is close to the edge of, you know, you don't want too many calls to be reviewed. It it fucks up the the flow for us, the consumer. And we're the most valuable thing the league has. Never forget that. The most valuable thing the NFL has are not the franchises, are not the players or the coaches. It's you. Because without you, there is no $100 billion television deal, which literally creates the wealth in the league. It's because so many people watch. That creates all the wealth. Without the people, there is no money, right? And there's never been more people. There's never been more demand for football equals there's never been more money. And let's face it, as long as... You keep watching. I was texting Ethan Strauss, buddy of mine from the Bay Area, who was a long time like wrote for ESPN.com, then he wrote for the Athletic, and then he went solo. He just has a substack. And he's kind of a renegade. He will write things that big J's won't touch anymore. And he wrote a really good article why the NBA is in major trouble with their new television deal. It's like, well, your ratings have been cut in half and you think your next television deal is gonna triple? Do the math on that one. Doesn't make any sense. And we were texting about it and I said, think about a couple years ago. And there was just an article, I I saw a headline that the NBA wants to do an Amazon Prime with Tuesday and Thursday night basketball. Do you know why Amazon Prime works for Thursday night football? Because 13 fucking million people watch. For years now, TNT has been struggling to get a million plus people to watch their primetime games. And in fairness to them... Stars ain't playing. Turn on the game. It's like, yeah, half the guys are sitting tonight. Well, what the fuck? I'm going to go eat a sandwich and go watch a movie then. And I think the NFL last year showed their true colors with why they care so much. Amazon just signed like a 10-year deal. So if ratings were down or up, like ultimately it's a fixed cost. Yet they were not cool with them underperforming on 9, 10 million people. Like They had to figure out, are we missing something? Do we need to improve the games? What happened this year? 13 million people watch. It matters to them. Why? Say in college football a lot. What's the lifeblood of football in college? Recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. You know what the lifeblood of the business of football in America is? Television. People watching. That creates all the money. I I can't stand businesses that don't, First, foremost, and everything after that, consumer comes first. And say what you want about the NFL. We complain a lot. But if you stop watching, then they will change. But as long as you and me keep watching while we complain about these terrible refs, like they got us, right? So the only way to draw a line in the sand to create change or even have them question things is to turn off television. And let's face it, as of right now, most people listening to this, including myself, are kind of addicted. Like I, I, I watch football from 9 a.m. on Saturday for really the next 24, another 10 hours. I mean, I'm talking 35 straight hours with a little sleep break in between Saturday and Sunday morning. They got me by the balls. That they, they, they really do. And let's face it, most of you listening, they got you too. And until we stop watching we're just complaining about things that aren't going to change. And listen, we can't... If you stop watching as an one individual, it's not going to change anything. right? So it's very, very difficult. But it's just... The NFL... The, the number one thing they care about, and I would say the top five things they care about, are television ratings. Because that's where the overwhelming majority of the money comes from, and the money that is used to pay for everything that's important. And as long as... Pe- millions of people are watching. I mean, the Jets have had two games with over 25 million people watching. 25. The the other night, Sunday Night Football, Eagles-Dolphins. I I I haven't seen the television ratings, but my guess would be well over 20 million people were watching that thing on, on Sunday night. The ALCS was being played as well. On Fox Sports 1. I can't even imagine the discrepancy between the eyeballs on Rangers-Astros and Eagles-Dolphins. And it would have been the same thing if it was Lakers-Warriors. It is not a fair fight. And the NFL can keep having stupid referee calls because they know that we're going to watch. It's a long-winded way of saying is all we got to do is complain. Question for the bag. If you're a GM through Week 7, Would you be happier with the Witherspoon pick at five or the Carter pick at nine? I'm a huge Hawks fan and didn't like the Witherspoon initially, but it seems like he's making a huge impact. What was a bottom-tier defense last year? Carter has also been great, but running into a much different defense. Love the pod. Found you on Collins' feed. Appreciate it. I think the reason that the majority of those teams passed on Jalen is they didn't feel equipped to handle him. And I I think starting with you guys, you have had, you would take Jalen over Witherspoon if you were not worried about anything off the field. It would be a no-brainer pick. But Seattle's been burned before with questionable character, guys. They've made, they got Percy Harvin. Now he was injured, but still, he was available for a reason. Malik McDowell, the Michigan State guy, And they just didn't want to fuck with that. So they went with probably the second best player on their board who checked all the boxes. And they looked like they hit a home run. I saw Jamal Adams said that when he was a rookie, to quote, he said, I was ass, and Witherspoon (laughs) clearly is not. Basically saying, this young guy's a stud. So if you are going to pass on a guy who would have been a huge impact for Seattle, and I would have said five years ago, they would have taken... Jalen Carter, without hesitation. You better get it right, and they did. To me, the Eagles, it was just, it was an easy one. They got, lucky's the wrong word, because they put themselves in position when they made the trade with the Saints, but they they were prepared because of the way their team was built. Get them around Fletcher, get them around Brandon Graham, get them around Hassan Reddick, get them with his former teammates. And they were equipped, where... I think it's one of those win-win situations, which sometimes can be rare in football. So I'd be excited if I were you to have Witherspoon. Just like if I was Eagles fan, I'd be excited with Jalen Carter. Now, if I was some of these other teams, like Atlanta, uh, was Detroit. Yeah, Detroit passed back. It'd be one of those things, if he goes on to have a career where he doesn't get in any trouble, you kind of question yourself. Do we get to fire Staley yet? No. He's not, he's not getting fired. Started listening to the pod this year and loving it. Keep up the good work. What is going on with Kareem Jackson? Feels like every game this year, it's just a matter of time before he makes a huge unnecessary hit. Just watch the one against Green Bay. How does a coach address this with a veteran of 14 years? Well, I think I saw before I recorded this part that he was suspended for four games. Now, some of the earlier season hits in modern day football, 2023, were clearly over the line and should have been ejected or whatever. My take on the hit yesterday was like shoulder to shoulder. I, I didn't feel like that was a malicious hit. Historically, that's a very, very normal hit. It sure looked like he led with his shoulder and hit the guy in his shoulder. If I'm watching the same hit, which I'm pretty sure I was. So the league, I think, felt pressure because so many people, and obviously he got ejected for that yesterday, had been kind of questioning Kareem Jackson Dirty player. A lot of people on social media call the guy a dirty player. I mean, you can take that with a grain of salt. But is the guy truly dirty? I I don't know. Uh, But clearly, relative to the rest of the league, it feels like he's the guy closest to the line of someone's going to get seriously injured by the way this guy's playing. I know you've been out on McDaniels, and so have I. He's clearly not a head coach and some of the worst coaching and personnel decisions making I've ever seen. Any chance the organization takes a quarterback in next year's draft with this guy in charge, I think he's ruining any promising quarterback, and he needs to go because this team doesn't show any promise. To lose to Tyson Baggett, Bagenet, to a Division II quarterback with the Chicago Bears is the worst loss of his career, and he's the same guy that lost to Jeff Saturday. He lost to Baker Mayfield on a Thursday night game when Baker Mayfield got signed on a Monday. Josh McDaniels has been an utter disaster as a head coach. Raider fans know it. The entire league knows it. Someone shot me a DM saying, shouldn't Tom Brady get royalties for every penny that Josh McDaniels makes? Tom Brady created this guy. I thought Josh McDaniels was going to be good. I really did. You watched him in New England. He was just good at his job as an offensive coordinator. One thing is true, and we see it over and over and over again. Just because you are a good coordinator has no guarantee that you are going to have any success, let alone be solid as a head coach. And Josh McDaniels, he kind of looks like bloated. It's like, Josh, mix in some fucking kale smoothie or something. You look terrible. I mean, you look awful. Maybe it's the stress from not knowing what to do at his job, to start Brian Hoyer, to go into a season with Jimmy Garoppolo as your head coach, who has a long history of getting injured, and have Brian Hoyer being your backup is shameful. Is absolutely I I, I don't I don't know how else to say it beside like it's it's unacceptable because every backup quarterback, especially when your starting quarterback gets injured a lot, is gonna play. Like, the, Brian Hoyer is going to start multiple games. For, Brian Hoyer is terrible. Brian Hoyer, if you put him on the Chiefs or the Niners, like, they're probably going to lose. He's that bad. He, is, he hasn't been good at football in a decade. And you sign this guy and make him your backup quarterback? At least if you lose with a rookie, you, you're getting to evaluate, develop, and see if you got anything. You just use a fourth round pick on this guy. Brian Hoyer is going to be, you know, working for Nesson here in two years talking about Gerard Mayo as the head coach of the New England Patriots. I I just, you you cannot have Brian Hoyer as your backup quarterback. And honestly, when you watch that game, like the outcome is, you could argue, predetermined. If you start Brian Hoyer, especially if your team is not that good, you don't have a snowball's chance in hell. I I don't care if you're playing a Division II quarterback. I don't care if you're playing the 85 Bears. You are not winning that game. And they got mollywopped. And I thought going into the the game, they're like one of the worst 3 and 3 teams you've ever seen. I mean, they got two good players, and one doesn't even get the ball, right? They can't get Devontae the ball. And Max Crosby can only do so much. The, The Raiders are in absolute shambles. Now, Mark Davis just did win his second WNBA championship, so he's a winner. He's a champion. He's brought success to Vegas. The problem is not with his NFL team in a city full of bright lights and entertainment, the Raiders are the opposite. Appreciate everyone listening. We'll talk soon. Adios.
1: The Volume.
2: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
0: Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply.
2: Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride